May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to describe to you the dining hall of my seminary on Ash Wednesday. Everybody walks in and there are new diets left and right. Some are going vegan, some are giving up sugar, and every year there was one poor soul who committed to eating only grape nuts for breakfast and lunch every day. God bless him. So why is it so different to give up chocolate on Ash Wednesday? What's wrong with any Tuesday in September? What is it about this day that brings us back to these? The answer to that question, and heads up, this is the punchline of the sermon today, a core tenet of our Christian beliefs is that our individual choices have communal consequences. The work of being human is not a solo activity. We don't do it alone. And this is why we engage in the practice of Lent. So let's look to today's scripture to understand this a little more. And I would ask your indulgence as I go into an extended sports metaphor to explain it. We have before us the boxing match of the ages. Round one takes place in the Garden of Eden, round two in the desert, and it all ends with Paul, the commentator, writing to us in the book of Romans, breaking it down, telling us what really happened. So let's start with round one. Ding, ding. Garden of Eden. We have Adam and Eve versus Satan. Adam and Eve versus the serpent. Humanity versus evil and sin. And what happens in that first matchup? In this sea of ease and abundance and blissful ignorance, human beings made the choice to have the one thing that they weren't supposed to have. And they had everything. Now, yes, it was only an apple. And yes, it made them aware of some things they weren't aware of. But in that moment, God, God read the writing on the wall. He kind of realized that this was going to be a thing for these creatures that he created, this disobedience thing. But rather than completely destroy his human creatures and start over, God's love was so deep for God's creatures that he decided to stick with us. And instead of destroying Adam and Eve, he freed them from the garden. He freed them from blissful ignorance and released them into the full experience of the human condition. And that is the experience that we have today. It's this experience where we see humanity at its absolute worst. Like the Syrian dads and moms and children cowering in fear at warplanes, freezing and starving to death, pressed against a closed border. And this human condition is where we see humanity at its absolute best where we see the tireless work of journalists, humanitarian organizations, and public servants to care for these people, to tell their stories, 
to find lasting solutions for their well-being. All of this is true. God loved us, that he left us with this. Now do remember that later on in the story, God did try to destroy us by starting over with Noah and just the best of the best in the ark, but that didn't quite work out, right? Not, not quite the mulligan that, that God wanted in that, in that regard. So Adam and Eve, yes, they lost that round with Satan. And we still live with the consequences, don't we? We trudge forward in our lives with sin and death as our constant companions. But remember that God also gave us goodness and life to be our companions too. I think Fred Rogers sums this up brilliantly. When disaster strikes and all seems lost, he says, look for the helping people. Next we have round two, the rumble in the desert. Now I gotta set the scene for you. In the intervening years, Satan has gotten more sophisticated. He has amped up his temptation. No longer is he offering just a piece of fruit and a little knowledge, but unlimited food by turning bread, stones into bread. He's offering immortality by surviving a fall from the top of the temple. An unlimited power, dominion over every single nation. God's been busy too, though. God has decided to team up with humanity in the person of Jesus to physically get in the ring with us to be by our side through thick and thin. Can't you see the promotion here? The matchup of the century, the knockdown, dragout fight of the ages, God and human versus Beelzebub. And man, does this fight live up to the hype. Jesus enters the ring in a weakened state, not having had any food or human interaction for 40 days. And old neck jumps in with his amped up next generation temptations. They mix it up, parry back and forth, jabs and punches, and who wins? Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. So next comes Paul. He's gonna break down the commentary for us. Paul reminds us of the history and the implications of this mighty matchup. Yes, he says, the choices made by a couple of folks in Eden had lasting consequences, but in Jesus Christ, God helped humanity deliver the final blow to sin and death. And the good news is that we left the ring with an abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Who wants a big old ugly gold belt anyway? Here ends the sports metaphor. So back to the original question. Why Lent? What does giving up chocolate have to do with the salvation of humanity? And why should we do this all together now? instead of any Tuesday in September. It's because individual choices made in the Garden of Eden, made in the desert, or in the candy aisle have communal consequences. I bring up chocolate in particular and food choices because some of you may have noticed that I don't eat like a normal person. 
You may have heard me say at coffee hour, no thanks, I have a weird food plan, or I don't eat sugar. You may have seen me at our very numerous church feasts, sipping a Diet Coke instead of eating the beautiful dishes you all have lovingly created. And you may have wondered why I only receive communion at the altar in one kind, just a gluten-free wafer, no wine. The reason for this is because I have an eating disorder. It's not anorexia or bulimia, but I identify as a compulsive overeater. It's kind of like being an alcoholic, except my own body is the distillery. When I take in the raw ingredients to make alcohol like grains and sugar, a fog settles over me and while I don't exactly become drunk, I become quite dysfunctional. I isolate myself from people, seeking to fulfill my addiction at the expense of friends and family. I even isolate myself from God. The conundrum of this particular eating disorder is that, well, you gotta eat. The solution that I have found is a method of eating that is extremely ordered. I'll never forget when I pulled out a scale and started weighing my food at the restaurant during the interview process when I sat down with the search committee and I thank God every day that they didn't declare me a lunatic and run screaming. <laughs> but this ordered eating also comes with a community of folks like me who help and support one another and most importantly makes this entire thing so joyful. This way of eating has freed me from compulsive overeating and I have not ate compulsively in 12 years. But the reason for all of this care and self-denial that I engage in is because I know that my individual choices around food have communal consequences. Eating sugar or grains renders me absolutely useless to the people I care about and useless to my creator. Now I know that no matter what I am eating or not eating, I am loved by God. My usefulness does not make me loved. But for me, every time I say, no thank you, I am making a choice to align my will with God's so that I might be of service. So this whole Lent thing, this work of self-denial that we take up in community is not because the Episcopal Church is getting ready for swimsuit season. It is because we are getting ready to celebrate Christ's victory over sin and death. It's an acknowledgement that our individual choices ripple out to our communities of families and friends and the entire planet. So as you contemplate your Lenten fast or new spiritual discipline, consider how might you reorder your individual choices so that you might be of greater service to your community? How can you join in God's healing work? May God grant you the fearlessness to face your temptations during this Lenten season. 
And remember that as you step into the ring, your entire church community is behind you. And that Christ has already won the match. Amen.